0: Please know that we love you. We're praying for you, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Uh, quick update: uh, My basketball coaching career <laughs> off to a tough start. We're zero three. We lost our game yesterday, thirty-three to eight. Amen. We did have some victories yesterday in our game. One little boy did not cry the whole game. Victory. <laughs> um, one little boy who I told you about, his grandmother is always there. You guys know who I'm telling, talking about? He was not there. Victory. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. So we got a next, another game next week. We will um, we'll coach them up this week. We'll be ready to go, right? Right. Don't roll your eyes. Say, yes, sir, coach. Yes, sir, coach. All right, let's get started here. Uh, So we're in the new year, 2022. I saw somebody post online the other day that they are already ready for 2023. Uh, What is wrong with people, right? Like, we're two weeks in. We're not even two weeks in. We're a week and a half in. um, And apparently this young lady has had a rough week and a half, and she's already looking forward to 2023. Um, I hope your 2022 has been well, has been good, has been healthy, has been prosperous so far. And we pray that as the year goes on, all of those good things will continue in blessings from the Lord in your life. Um, anybody make any New Year's resolutions? Sweet. Last week, Jacob talked about, Jacob Clapp was here, and he spoke about starting the year uh, with the Lord, making the resolution, making the decision, making a commitment of godliness, of living a Christ like lifestyle. Um, you see, there's millions of people all across our world, all across the country, who make New Year's resolutions. Has anybody ever made a New Year's resolution? Did you succeed in a new, that New Year's resolution? One of you? Good job, Alex. Good job. Um, You need to write a book on how to do it. You'll be a millionaire. Get it published, you'll be a millionaire. Um, What you hear lots of times with New Year's resolutions is a lot of them are physical-based, right, weight-loss-based. I found an article a couple weeks ago, I read this about a month ago, that said this. Starting after Christmas, on December 26th, weight-loss and healthy living websites have a sharp increase in activity Um, starting on December the 26th. as people getting information, wanting to get healthier in the new year, all that stuff. Would you like to guess when the decrease happens in these same websites? January 2nd? 3rd? January 5th. January 5th. So from December 26th, it shoots up People wanting to learn about healthy living and weight loss and all that kind of good stuff. Then by January 5th, this, this uh, article said there's a sharp decline. Like over 75% of the activity on these websites goes straight down by January 5th. You want to guess when they go back up? Nope. Y'all are missing a big, a big part of the year. Yes, in the spring, everybody want to get ready for bathing suit time in the summer? Uh, so they go, they go up in December, down January, back up in the spring, and then down in the fall until Christmas time. Um, can I ask a question? Why do we do that? Like, why is it that we make resolutions? Uh, we make commitments or we make decisions and they don't change. You probably have an answer. I've got a couple answers I want to share with you quickly. Um, and then we're going to get on to what we're, what we're talking about, which just has to do with it. Um, but the reason I think that happens, the reason I think we go from December 26th down to um, January 5th, there's a couple reasons. One, we didn't make a real commitment, right? We, we thought, man, this would be really cool. It'd be really cool to lose some weight. It'd be really cool um, to save money. It'd be really cool to read my Bible every day, but there was no commitment made, right? There's a difference between wanting to do something and making a commitment to do something, right? Am I right or am I right? There's a big difference between, man, I'd really love to lose 20 pounds, and I'm going to commit to doing whatever it takes to lose 20 pounds, right? So it'd be really cool to do it, but there's no commitment So we drop down and we forget that it ever happened. Another reason I believe we do that is because we compromise, right? We get started, we're in, we're doing really good for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, and then we make one little small compromise, right? We eat that Butterfinger, we eat eat that uh, uh, Hershey's bar or whatever, um, and then that Hershey's bar turns into one piece of a chocolate cake, and then that one chocolate cake turns into two whole chocolate cakes. And so you make one compromise, and then you make two, and then the three gets bigger, and then the fourth one is bigger, and so on. And then you get to where "Ah, it doesn't even matter. I'm so far behind. Another reason is we don't see any results we make a decision that we want to do something, and we're in it. We're doing good, but we don't see any quick results. We don't see my belly still there. My double chin is still there. Um, I see no quick results. We're people that like to see action and like to see results. Quickly, we're, I've said before, we're a microwave people. We're not an oven person, right? We're not a, uh, a um, what do you call them, things that you plug up? A crock pot, we're not a crock pot person. We're a microwave person. We want to get hot fast. We want to see results fast. So listen, if I'm, if I'm weight loss and deal, and I'm in it for two weeks, and I'm sweating every day in the gym, and I'm eating a salad every day, by God, I want my belly to be as flat as everything, right? Like, I want to lose 80 pounds in two weeks. Um, and if I don't do it, I'm done, right? So uh, we don't see quick results. It's easy for us. To give up, and what we want, I want to talk with you about this morning is the last one. Um, I believe that if we don't have a achievable, uh, realistic target, then we'll end up quitting. If I really think that I can lose eighty pounds in two weeks, after two weeks later, and I've lost a pound and a half, guess what? I'm done. Right? Eighty pounds in two weeks is not an achievable target. Um, it may, Can you even in an unhealthy way lose eighty pounds in two weeks? No chance. Okay, good. That fits my narrative real well. Uh, So, um, if you don't have a achievable, a realistic achievable target, and when that target's not hit, you end up quitting. I believe we see this in the church all the time. We see it in in a believer's life all the time. We make a decision with Jesus. We make a decision to live for, to live with, to live like Jesus. And then when things go wrong, when our expectations aren't right, when our target is not right, when our target is not achievable and things don't go the way we expected because our target's not right, then we end up quitting. Like if we go into a life with Jesus with wrong expectations, then guess what? Your target's wrong and you end up quitting. Here's what I mean. Uh, I will give you an example. When I, before I got married, I had certain expectations of what it was going to be like to be married. Let me share. I thought I would come home at, say, 5 o'clock in the evening. I would have a full spread of food on the table. I thought I would sit down with my lovely wife. Where's she at? She downstairs. Good. Good. I thought I would sit down with her, we would enjoy a nice meal that she prepared so lovely and graciously together. Uh, I thought after that, I would go take a shower, and I thought when I got out of the shower, she would have dessert baked, cookies baked and ready to eat, because you don't want to eat chocolate chip cookies when they're too cold, you want them like just right when they come out of the oven, not too early, because then they're going to burn your tongue, so you want them just right, right? don't act like y'all don't know. So I thought I'd be eating these cookies right now and I would sit down in my recliner and my wife would come over and pull the lever on the side of the recliner so I could prop my feet up. Uh, so I'd prop my feet up and I'd watch the Tar Heel game or the Hornet game or the Panther game, whatever. I thought we'd get up and we'd go to bed and we'd wake up the next morning and I'd wake up and have a table worth of breakfast just sitting there in front of me and my clothes would be ironed, and that's what I thought. Can I tell you what happens? Can I tell you the way it works in my house? Last night, T.J. and I we had a little boys' night. we went bowling. Then we went to serve pizza, and so we had some leftover pizza we took home. When I got home, I set the box just on the table. Callie was getting ready to go to bed. And I'm sitting in the chair watching the... I was reading over my notes here for today. And she said, if you're done with that pizza, you need to put it in the refrigerator. I said, well, I haven't ate any of it since we come home. I said, I'm done with it. Now, she is standing in the kitchen, right? And I'm sitting in my chair, which is, I don't know, 10 yards from the kitchen. So I said, I'm done with it. She said, okay, then put it in the refrigerator. So I got up and put the pizza in the refrigerator. Um, thank you. I've learned well. Twelve years, I've learned a little bit. Uh, I pull my, the lever on my recliner. I do that myself. Uh, I take care of that myself. So my point is, if your expectations are wrong, then your target's off, and when things don't go as expected, you end up Quitting. We see that with Jesus a lot. We see it in the life of believers, in the life of the church a lot. We hear preachers, you've heard me say, you've heard other pastors say for years that we need to live a Christ-like life, that we need to be more Christ-like. And that's great and it's true and it's wonderful. But I believe that if we don't have a an achievable, realistic target in front of us, we don't know what we're aiming at, we don't know what we're working towards, and we'll end up quitting whatever commitment. Whatever decision we have made for the Lord. So, over the next couple of weeks, what we want to do is I want to give you realistic, achievement, achieve, achievable targets that we can take home with us, that we can do, that we can live out so that we can grow in our spiritual life. We've talked a lot about that over the past couple of weeks. You're going to hear more about it uh, coming up in the next few months about how we can grow in our spiritual life, how our spiritual growth can happen. Um, And one of the ways that that happens is by setting targets, by having achievable targets. That's what we want to do over the next few months, next few weeks, is talk about uh, targets that we can hit. So today we're gonna talk about how we go from a me lifestyle to a you lifestyle, okay? Over the next few weeks we're gonna talk about how we can go from A to B, how we can move from here to here, and that's gonna be our target. And today we're gonna talk about how we can go from me you, And when I say me to you, I am talking about moving from a uh, selfish lifestyle to moving to a sharing lifestyle. I'm moving from a selfish mindset to moving to a sharing mindset. We've all known people in our life that had a selfish mindset, right? Can we be honest? Has anybody not known anybody that's selfish? I didn't think so. Maybe you had a parent. Maybe you lived with one. Maybe you grew up with one a mom or dad who had a selfish mindset and they only thought about themselves and not other people. Maybe you were married to one at one time, someone who had a selfish mindset who only thought about themselves and not other people. And I believe today that maybe, just maybe, if we're being honest and being real, there's a little bit of selfishness in all of us at certain times in our life, right? Can we be real? Can I be real with you and you not get upset with me? There are times in my life where I want to do what Michael wants to do, no matter what. There are times in my life where I want to do my own thing, no matter what it costs. I think we all have these seasons and we all have these times in our life where we find ourselves with a me mindset and not an other mindset. Um, I think part of that problem is, the reason that is, is because we're taught selfishness at, at a very early age from the time of being a baby. I'm going through this right now with Anna Lee, right? She is eight months old. She's wonderful. She's great. She don't like taking naps, but she sleeps all night long, so we don't complain. Um, But guess what? Anna Lee kind of controls mine and Callie's life, right? Those of you that have been parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's, Here's the deal. What we eat, where we eat it. And how long it takes us to eat it depends on Annalie. Right, Mom and Dad? Where we go, how long we stay when we're there depends on (laughs) Annalie. Right? When we sleep, how long we sleep, and how good the sleep is (laughs) depends on Annalie. Correct? Because everything about our life revolves around her because she needs us. She can't feed herself. She can't use a spoon. Not good. It's like this. Kind of deal. She can't do it good. She can't use the bathroom. She needs you to wipe her booty. Yeah, she needs you. All right, let's get back started here before this falls off the rail. Um, as, kids, as kids, we're taught, well, listen, life's about me. Mom and dad take care of me. People take care of me. They're looking out for me first. Everything is about me. So what happens is, 20, 30, 40 years later, if we're not careful, we could be a 50-year-old with a one-year-old mindset. We could be a 50-year-old with a toddler mindset thinking, shoot, I'm still in charge. Everything still revolves around me. It's still me. It's me, 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 me. And so that leads, my friends, to a selfish Lifestyle, selfishness, we see all around us. We see it in kids as they are growing up. You don't have to teach a kid whose toys, which toys are theirs, right? They know and they ain't sharing, right? That's their stuff. Unless they're taught to share, they don't do it instinctively. Um, We see uh, see selfishness is a, a racism is a product of selfishness. You see racism going crazy around the world today. Racism is a product of selfishness, right? Does that make sense? Racism, is, here's why. Because for a racist person to think, well, it's not about the black man, it's about me, the white man. Selfishness. Can I just say this about racism? There is nothing that makes Jesus Christ look worse than a believer. And I use that word extremely loosely, extremely loosely, than for a believer to not accept someone, to not love someone, to not acknowledge someone, to not serve someone simply because of the color of their skin. Amen. There's nothing that makes Jesus look worse than to say, that's a black guy. That's a black woman. I'm white. I ain't helping them. When you read in Scripture, Jesus served the Jews and the Gentiles, Jesus loved the men and the women, Jesus loved the Samaritans and the Israelites. You will see no discrepancy in what Jesus does for who he does it to. Men, women, black, white, brown, yellow, green, purple, whatever other colors they may be that I don't know. It does not matter. Racism comes from selfishness. I'm better than him. I'm more important than they. Look at me. I am more worthy of Jesus than that person because they are a different color skin than I have. Cut the garbage out. That's as nice as I can say it. (laughs) If I say it any differently, I'll have to repent because I use a bad word. We see selfishness all around us. We see it in families. Selfishness has torn families apart, has separated churches, has wrecked lives. Addiction is a form of selfishness. Any of you ever been around an addict? Maybe you've been one yourself. You know an addict's mindset, right? Me. I got to get that one last drink. I've got to have that one more fix. I've got to have that one more dessert. I've got to buy that one more item. Whatever the addiction is, it's all about what it does for me. And no matter what it costs me, no matter what it costs you, no matter how it affects you, it doesn't matter because I've got to have it and I've got to have it right now. Selfishness. Does that make sense? Addiction is a form of selfishness. So, what do we do about it, y'all? What do we do about it? Here's what Scripture says about self. Well, wait, wait, First, before we get there. Um, selfish, where does selfishness come from? I believe you find in Scripture that selfishness is a sin problem. Selfishness is not a physical problem. Selfishness is a sin problem. Um, the most basic form of sin is selfishness. Look at, look at the enemy. Look at Lucifer. Look at Satan himself. He was thrown out of heaven. Why? Because he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like the Father. Selfishness. Um, selfishness is a sin problem. I got bad news for you. Y'all ready? There's nothing that you can do to fight selfishness in your life. Because of Adam and Eve's sin Thousands of years ago, today you and I are born with a bend towards sin. Scripture calls it your sinful nature. We are born going after. We are born uh, going towards. We are born with a bend in our heart towards Sin. That's why selfishness comes so easy to us. That's why we have to be taught. We have to be trained. We have to be impacted by another source to be able to not be selfish because it's a sin problem. It happened from, happened from the time of Adam and Eve, and we are born with that problem in our heart. Here's what Scripture says about selfishness. First, First Corinthians 10 says this, "'No one should seek their own good but the good of other people.'" Proverbs 11 says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Jesus says in Mark 12, when the, the, uh, the great commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says again in Mark 8, somebody asked him, said, Lord, what do I have to do to follow you? Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Notice Jesus said, Jesus did not say you must make yourself first. You must promote yourself. You must gather in everything to yourself. You must keep everything to yourself. Jesus says, you want to come after me? You need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross and follow me. You know what the cross is, right? You know what the cross means? does the cross mean? Death. Death. Jesus says, deny yourself. Put yourself off. Pick up your cross. You must die to yourself, another translation Jesus says. You can't be selfish with the denied self. Does that make sense? Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, there is no selfishness in your heart. There is no times where you're me first. It's always Jesus first, other people second, yourself third. There is no time in your life where you are holding everything, where you're gathering everything, where you're promoting yourself because you have denied yourself. You have died to yourself if you're going to follow me. And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says this about selfishness. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any commun- if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Verse 3. Do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest but to others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Jesus. And what was Jesus' mindset? Paul says this, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So, what can we do? What can we do to defeat? Selfishness. Paul gives us a couple things right there. Number one is we have to be united with Christ. Paul says in verse one everything that comes after this, everything that you get from me, is done by being united in Christ. If selfishness is a sin problem, we need a Savior answer. Amen? If selfishness is a sin problem, we need somebody who defeated sin, who defeated death, hell, and the grave to be our answer. And we find that when we unite our life with Christ. There are certain things in your life that you have to have Jesus to do, like forgiving people, right? You cannot forgive. It's not in you to forgive the people that do you wrong. It's in us to get revenge. Amen? Is anybody good revenge getters? Raise your hand if you are, because I want to know who not to make upset. I'm taking notes. Don't make Tisha upset. I'm joking. Not Tisha. I'm a kid. I kid. There are certain things that we need Jesus to do. Get to heaven, we need Jesus. Forgiving other people, we need Jesus. Getting rid of selfishness, we need Jesus. We need to deny ourselves. We see all throughout Scripture different places and different scenes and different areas where selfishness is being pushed aside. We see in the great commandment, as I said earlier, Jesus said the two greatest commandments, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, No selfishness. We see in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive who? Who's those? Those other people. Those other people. We see in the fruit of the Spirit, Paul calling us to live with love. There's no selfishness with love. We see Paul calling us in the fruit of the Spirit to live with peace, to live with kindness, to live with gentleness, and to live with self-control. My friend, these things are only found when you and I have our lives united with Christ. Selfishness cannot live with Christ. There are two opposite things. You cannot be united with Christ and still have a selfish bone in your Body. Number two, Paul says, if you want to defeat selfishness, you have to be united with Christ. And he says, you have to be like minded, have the same love, and be one in the spirit. When I think about being like minded, I think about the church. I think about not just our church, but the church as a whole. And can I tell you that the church as a whole is not like minded today? (laughs) Can I ask you a question? Why did you come to church today? Like, what is it that made you get out of your bed this morning? What is it that made you put on clothes? I see we all put on clothes today. That's wonderful. What is it that made you get in your car and drive maybe five minutes, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 35, 40 minutes? What is it that made you come in this place today? Now, my guess is there would be a lot of variable, a lot of, lot of variety of reasons, Some of you may have came because my husband and wife wanted to come. Some of you may have came because you like the free coffee and the really good donuts. Some of you may have come to see Juan. And I get it. That makes sense to me. I get it. Um, Can I tell you quickly, we do what we do for three reasons. Uh, Alex and I, we spend a lot of time talking about Sunday mornings and planning for Sunday mornings and other events that we do throughout the year. The you guys, our church, you, 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 and you, you all take up a lot of time in my heart and in my mind, in my prayer life, in my thought life. Can I tell you why we do what we do? There's a lot of different reasons, but you can boil them down to three reasons. Number one is we are here to worship Jesus Christ and to hear from his word. We're not here to worship another person. We're not here um, to hear any other words. I hope, oh gosh, I hope you didn't come to hear from me today, because if so, you're gonna be disappointed because I'm not that good, okay? I may be very nice to look at, but I'm not that good. I don't have that good of words. You hope you did not come to hear from anybody else, but we are here to worship Jesus and to hear from his word. There's nothing worse. There's nothing more unbiblical and untheological than to sit through a worship service, to walk out the back doors and say, man, I didn't get nothing out of that worship service today. First of all, I think that's good because there wasn't nobody worshiping you in the first place, right? We're here to worship Jesus and to hear his words, not mine, to hear his words, not Alex's, to hear his words, not Jacob's. Number two, Second reason we do what we do, we do what we do so that we can gather with other believers, so that we can see other believers, so that we can love on other believers, so that we can encourage other believers, so that we can pray for other believers and so that they can do the same for us. Because I don't know about you, but I need it. Let me be honest, I do know about you. You need it too, right? We do what we do to worship Jesus, to hear from his word, to gather with other believers, to love, encourage, pray for, and to be prayed for. And finally, number three, we do what we do so that we can serve the lost and blatantly and unapologetically tell them with our words how much Jesus loves them. Notice in all three of those reasons, none of it had nothing to do with me. None of it had anything to do with you. There's not a selfish reason in that list. The only thing that you even remotely, even closely had to do with individual persons, individual people was that I need you to pray for me. And that my friends is not a selfish place to be That is a humble place to be because when you recognize that you can't do it on your own and that you need the Lord's help, that you need somebody else's help in your life, that you need Susie's prayers in your life, when you recognize that, that's not a selfish mindset. That's a godly mindset because you know that you can't do it. You know that you need him to do it, and you need Susie's help as well, and you need Hubbard's help as well, and you need Judy's, and you may even need Ed. Clayton's help in your life. We do what we do. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got to do with the Lord and it's got to do with other people. We're here every Sunday. The music doesn't matter. I love the music. We have the best looking. We have the absolute best looking piano player I've ever seen in my life smoking hot it don't mean nothing me preaching means nothing it doesn't matter as long as it's biblically correct don't mean nothing the donuts the coffee don't mean nothing they're great we love them we appreciate them don't mean anything what means something is the lord jesus christ Because we're here worshiping him. And we're here for unbelievers, to share his love with them. Can you imagine what every church in America would look like if the church was like-minded with that mindset? It's not about me. It's not about what music I like. It's not about where I sit. It's not about what I do. It's about Jesus. Can I tell you something? The enemy would not stand a chance if every believer was like-minded. Amen? The enemy wouldn't have a chance. He wouldn't gain any ground. He couldn't do anything to us, through us, or around us if believers were like-minded, same in love, and one in the Spirit. Paul says, selfishness, you have to be united with Christ, be like-minded, same in love, one in the Spirit. And number three, if we want to defeat selfishness, selfishness is a sin problem, so we need to save your answer. The only way to defeat selfishness is through repentance. And I encourage you, if you have your times of selfishness, you have your seasons of selfishness, you have your reasons for selfishness, maybe you've been in one in the past or maybe you're in one today, can I encourage you to seek the Lord and repent? You know what repentance is? It's a godly call on your life to change. It's not a human call. It's a godly call. It's the word of the Lord spoken to you. And it connects with your heart. And you hear the Lord say, you got to cut that mess out. you got to stop. Not only does the Lord call us to stop, but he's with us to help us stop. He's with us to help us make the change that we need to make, to make the shift that we need to make, to go from me to you, to me to an other people lifestyle, to go from selfishness to sharing. Not only does the Lord call us to do it, but he helps us do it as well. Amen. I'll close with this. You guys know, uh, you ever heard of William Booth? Anybody ever heard of William Booth? A couple of you. William Booth is the founder of uh, the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army over the years have helped countless, countless, countless number of people and families through different situations. Uh, some time ago, the, uh, the Salvation Army was having a, um, like a big conference of all their workers and all their staff and their board members and all that stuff. They were getting everybody together. And William Booth was supposed to deliver um, a message, kind of like the keynote speech for the, for the deal. Uh, but he ended up getting sick and he could not make it. Um, so what he did is he told the guy, he said, listen, I'm going to write my speech down on a piece of paper. Just have somebody come up there and read it so that way everybody's getting, getting my, my thing. They'll know what I'm thinking. So he sent in his speech. The guy opened the envelope, opened the mail envelope, and looked at what's in there. And there was no three or four or five, six, seven-page speech. There wasn't even a one full page of speech. There was one little um, index card, one little note card in the envelope. And the guy thought, what does this mean? So he picked up the index card. He got up on the stage, getting ready to read this great speech by William Booth. And the speech was one word. And that one word was others. Can I encourage you today to live a lifestyle of other people? Not of yourself but of others. One of the saddest stories in Scripture. I'll close with this. I just thought about this. This is wonderful. Thanks, Lord. One of the saddest stories in Scripture. Matthew 25. Right? Y'all, if this ain't Matthew 25, we're going to be in bad shape. Yes. Matthew 25. One of the saddest stories in Scripture. Jesus tells, is talking here in Matthew 25, and he says, on judgment day, there's going to be people who come to me thinking they're going to get to heaven, expecting to walk through the gates, and Jesus is going to look at them and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And Jesus says there's going to be people that's surprised. There's going to be people kind of shocked that they didn't get in. And then Jesus says, let's go to verse 40, 25 verse 40. Jesus says this, The king will reply, reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these... Hang on, where's the other part? Uh, Okay, let's go to verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father... Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, did we see you hungry, and did we, uh, did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and not invite you in, or needing clothes and not clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit? Verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What Jesus is simply saying there is this, the way you treat other people is the way you treat me. Can I encourage you and challenge you to live a least of these lifestyle where you share a you live a sharing lifestyle not a selfish lifestyle you live a lifestyle of other people and not just yourself amen let's stand together come on up come on up let's pray together Lord again we thank you for today God, thank you for your word, thank you for your call on our life, for being a sharing lifestyle. God, we come confessing that there are times in our life where we go through seasons, we go through times, we go through situations where we admit that we find ourselves in selfishness. God, I pray today that if we find ourselves there today that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. God, convict us of that sin of selfishness. God, help us to move from a me lifestyle to an others lifestyle. Help us move from a me lifestyle To a least of these lifestyle. God, we confess that we need your help to do it. We need you to help us to do it. We can't do it on our own because of sin. But God, you have defeated death, hell, and the grave. You have taken on our sin. You became sin so that we wouldn't have no sin. So, Lord, I pray today that you would help us, your sons and your daughters. to live a life of sharing and not of selfishness. God, help us to represent you well in our families, and our neighborhoods, by the way we care for, by the way we share with, and by the way we love the people around us. God, we love you so much, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.